Hello and welcome back to Rally Caps On, RCO, baby. Uh, we got a lot to talk about today. Big trades going down in the NFL. Carson Wentz is now a Colt. We've got a lot to unpack there. We got some stats to drop, some outlook for each team. Tatis, Fernando Tatis Jr. is set up for life in San Diego. He's playing his flag there. He's going to be there for the next 14 years uh, in theory. And then the pitchers and catchers reported this week. We'll talk a little bit about that. Oakland made a pretty good acquisition. And on the NFL side, we've got the Panthers. They're going to begin their chase for Deshaun Watson. Richard Sherman's on the move. And the J.J. Watt sweepstakes are, are getting heated, too. Let's get right into it. guys right from the jump today t willie we got kind of a pointless debate for you and i think this is going to be a good one so my question for you what current or past nba player would make the best football player current or past current or past okay i'm i'm all i'm a simple guy i'm gonna think in current terms uh but i, I think the best player would still come out of today's generation um I guess I've got, I've got two of them, but I'm gonna I'm gonna probably stick with my my original Zion. I would say that oh. this dude this dude could play left tackle if you wanted him to block one of these DNs, like a super athletic DN, like a Cleo Mack. I bet he could he could probably if he figured out how to block, he would be super legit. Um, he could play defensive tackle or D end, like just clogging up the lane. Or he could play tight end or like receiver and just be an absolute mismatch. Cause I mean, let's just think about the biggest tight end in football, like Gronk or Kelsey is like six, five, like 240, 250. Zion is six, eight, 290, and probably has the same or better athleticism than both those guys. So I'm liking Zion as far as his durability. Be a problem. Yeah, as far as his durability goes, we talked about. I don't know how that's going to work out for him. He gets hurt quite a bit playing basketball. But I think his ceiling is the highest. And then I, my second one would be Ben Simmons. I think he would actually uh, be able to get a little physical in football. And and I, I if he, I, I'd have to see him throw the ball, but maybe he'd be just a giant quarterback that's able to uh, spread it out a little bit and move around if he needed to. Who you got? Yeah, I mean, it's tough to pick against LeBron. Uh, I think someone like Giannis would be would be pretty tough. Uh, I think, like, because I to me, Russell Westbrook is always one of, like, the most explosive athletes that I feel like I've ever seen. And, I mean, he's six foot three, so he'd be, like, really good-sized receiver. And you got to think he's got <clears> – <throat> like, it'd be interesting to see these, these – uh, NBA guys, I'd love to see their hands in football because I would think I would think they'd have really good hands just from like dribbling the basketball and like catching and passing all that stuff. So uh, maybe him. Um, I'm trying to think like Dame. Dame could play like slot receiver. Yeah, I bet Dame. Yeah, he. Uh, I could see him being a really good uh, a really good slot guy. That would be a that'd be pretty good. I mean. 
like De'Aaron Fox is so fast. Maybe he's, Ooh. I mean, if he got hit one time, he'd probably break, but, <laughs> but he, I mean, he could be so quick. That's what, so what, what's really interesting. I was, I'm trying to research it right now is like, I wonder how fast, how fast these guys are in like 40 yard dashes. So in the NBA, they do, they do. Um, yeah. What's like, their combine? They do like baseline to baseline, I think, or uh, sorry, it's a three quarter, three quarter court sprint. So, okay. So the court is what? 94 feet. So it's like, I don't 30, know. 30. Yeah. Like 30 ish. 30, 30 yards. So they're running three quarters of that. They're running like 20, like high 20 yards, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It looks like there's some dudes that have run that in 2.9 seconds. Like Nate Robinson ran it in 2.96. Ooh. Uh, surprisingly though, I'm looking at this list of like the fastest players and like, I hadn't heard of like the first like five on this list. Donovan Mitchell was really fast. Eric Gordon, 3.01. Um, yeah, so I, I don't, so yeah, back to, back to your question. I think I, Westbrook, I would love to see him. And let's go like peak Russell Westbrook, like when he, you know. Yeah, like for the Thunder, was, right. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, even like Derrick Rose. I'm just thinking guys that are just super explosive, but are also probably like have good height. Like on a football field, they'd be pretty tall, you know? I like I like your Nate Robinson one, little scat back, like a little uh Darren Sproles type guy. And I think he played, didn't Nate Robinson play? I think he was a pretty good football player in uh in high school. Actually. Oh, I'm sure I bet he I bet he played every sport. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, it's tough to argue against Zion though. I mean or like if you put LeBron at tight end, because you look at yeah. when you watch NFL. I have him. I have him as my like two A. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because when you watch NFL and you see uh, like Kelsey and Gronk, how big they are, and then you think like LeBron or Zion are bigger. Or you know what? Actually, too. What about Blake Griffin? Like peak oh. Blake Griffin. What What would he play? Like I the mean, end or like outside linebacker? Yeah, I mean, I could see him at tight end, though, again, too, because just of his, like, leaping ability. Yeah, um, true. That's a good one. Yeah, I don't – maybe – yeah, maybe him. Um, I'm just, yeah. So or just Shaq and, Shaq and make Shaq, <laughs> like, left tackle and then just make him, like, a goal line receiver. Yeah, that would be – that would be pretty crazy for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> just have him box it out somebody and just throw it up to him. That would be hilarious. That would be awesome if we got a guy that like played. We'd be able to we'd be able to bring Tebow back to the NFL if they do the little basketball toss to each other. Yes. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Tebow would be Tebow would be in. Yeah, so he'd like be relevant Blake, again. Blake Griffin 6'9" 250. So he's basically like a just a little bit bigger Kelsey and Gronk, but he can jump like insane. Yes. Uh, that would be dangerous combo there. Yeah, I don't know. I'll have to do some research and see too, because I'm sure some of these guys were like I know uh, Iverson was like Allen Iverson was super good at bas- at a uh, football in uh, right. in high school. So I'm sure a lot of these other guys were as well. Although we're probably not seeing it uh, as much, I guess, with these guys playing more and more just the one just the one sport. For sure. All right, legit. That was our pointless debate of the day. <laughs> Ooh, we got a nice one. Just happened down in San Diego. They locked up their guy. Uh, 
like by the time that his contract is done, we're going to have like flying cars and drone delivery for our packages. And it's going to be an entirely different world. And the contract I'm referring to, Fernando Tatis, 14-year, $340 million. It is now, I think, the top, like a top six contract in all of sports, uh, just based on the total dollar amount. And I tried to Google this. It is very hard to Google the longest contract that's ever been made, like playing contract, not deferred, like the Bobby Bonilla type stuff, but... It was really hard to look it up. They only wanted to show the biggest ones, and I guess no one else is interested in the longest contract ever. I know you and I were talking about uh, hockey. There was a guy who had like a 12- or 13-year deal, but I honestly I, I kept Googling it and could not find anything. What did you find on this? I got you right here. Uh, so oh. according to the, the Google machine, uh, the longest contract in NHL – history uh rick d pietro pietro uh pietro? 15 years with the Ooh. islanders uh in 2006 so it rick. was 15 years 67.5 million dollars wow uh but injuries derailed his career turned out to be blah 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 uh he ended up getting bought out in 2012 slash 13 it only lasted half the life yeah there was a <laughs> It looks like there was an 11-year hockey contract for Vincent LeCavalier with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Again, he ended up getting bought out. Um, and then 10-year deal for Alexi Yashin with the New York Islanders. Man, the Islanders just getting their dudes paid. Yeah, uh, going for the long haul. And no shocker here, he also ended up getting bought out. Wow. Looks like it's got a good track record of being being long and, and heavy so far. But uh, the tangent it took me down when I Googled it, I could not figure out those stats as easy as you could. You're going to need to teach me how to Google some stuff here after <laughs> this. But um, I was looking at the top contracts of all time because it took me right there. Messi, Lionel Messi makes $3.7 million per game. Wow. what holy cow i was just like i this can't be it yeah i I kept like looking i kept like clicking around like looking at it and no it's right he gets paid 168 mil a year dang that is that's a lot of bread yeah that is absolutely wild he was the guy who uh wasn't paying taxes too right um he had like a little little tax issue a couple years ago Potentially, yeah. One of those, one of those guys. It was either him or maybe Ronaldo or Neymar. I I don't know, but yeah, they all kind of blend together to me. That's that's how much we know about soccer, guys. What's crazy about that too is he doesn't even have to use his arms. No, he's just using his legs, and he's making that much money. Yeah, he could chop them off and still make it. Wild. That's, that's a pretty good. Uh, that's good work if you can get it. Shout out Messi, 168 million dollars a year. Seriously, I wonder how many he gets paid like per goal. It's it's probably a little bit less than the 3.7, but probably scores more than a goal a game. Not that we care about soccer, but let's get back on to Tatis. That was what we came here to talk about. Um, for San Diego, like like we talked about, there's nothing better than getting to anchor down and kind of plant your flag and be set up for life. And you and your children and your grandchildren and your grandchildren's children are set up for life as far as financially. Uh, you've got to just appreciate that as for what it is. 
And I mean, San Diego is one of the most beautiful cities to get to do that in. So uh, he is, it's a great, it's a great signing for each, each of these guys. I mean, for Tatis and for San Diego. So and it's also nice too, because they're not really considered like a contender yet. You know, like they, they don't have world series like, or bust in, in their mindset yet. So, I mean, especially with, with baseball, you know, it's so hard to make that big of an impact. Now you just get to get paid and kind of sit back and enjoy it. Yeah, definitely. I think I like, I like this deal from, from both sides, uh, you know, for, for Tatis. And I, I heard some people talking about, you know, maybe he could have gotten more money if he went to the free agency, blah, 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 all this stuff. But the reality is we don't know. We're seeing a lot of uh, drastic changes with free agency in major league baseball right now. So you don't necessarily sure. know what it's going to look like five years down the road when he's eligible. So he locks up several hundred million dollars. Uh, you know, if that's managed properly, basically like five generations of, of Tatis are going to be, are going to be set. So that's good on him. And then for the Padres, you lock up probably the, the most exciting player in baseball. Right. And he's, he's an anchor there. They get to pair him with Machado and you've got, you should have, uh, you know, big time star power for the next however many years. And they can, they can now just start focusing on a, a, attracting, uh, you know, more and more talent and gearing up for this arms race to, uh, to take down the Dodgers. I, I disagree a little bit with the sense that, so I, I agree that they're not world series or bust, but I do think for this team, there's, there's expectations for sure. Like where they're, they need to, uh, they definitely need to be a playoff team and, and make a run here. It's tough to, I mean, it's tough to pick anyone against the Dodgers just based on the sheer firepower that they have. But yeah, I like, I like this deal for both sides. I think it's a good move overall. What do you think the odds are? Like, give me a percentage chance, percentage odds that uh, he finishes this contract on the Padres. Um, 15%. Yeah. I, okay. I, that's what I was thinking. I think it's going to be pretty low. That's not, not that it's not going to work out. It's just, that's a long that's a long time for sure. Yeah, it's it's probably pretty easy, especially with I mean, we've been talking about all kinds of moves the last couple of days, and some of it now comes out of nowhere. You know, it can happen within a couple of conversations between a player and an organization. So it's really hard to tell that this is going to work out for the next fourteen years. You know, so not that yeah, not that it's not a good idea to do right now because I think. If you were so, I mean, I guess we're going to find out here in the next four or five years with how the MLB cap works and stuff and which way it starts going based on how much revenue the each team is going to be able to make and what they're going to be able to offer their players. I mean, to be locked up for 14 years is probably the the most sure thing you can you can possibly request right now. There's a lot of guys that are just going year to year. And yes, they might make more per year, like they might get a little bit overpaid, but I mean, it it's definitely not a, not a guaranteed thing. Like, like Tatis has now. So that's, that's where I really like this situation is that he's, he's taking advantage. Yeah, no, definitely. It's a, uh... go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I was just agreeing with what you, with what you're saying. All right. Right on same page there. I mean, it's, it, it wasn't like shocking or anything, but it was pretty cool to see. Um, let's go on to, Trevor Rosenthal now is in Oakland. So this is pretty much the exact opposite of what we're just talking about. He just signed a one year, $11 million deal with the Oakland A's who haven't really been making a ton of moves, but 
other than getting rid of their best player, Chris Davis. So, I mean, we never know what the A's are going to be until like three quarters of the way through the season, right? Yeah, I mean, they always, they're that team that always seem to be very competitive regardless of the makeup of their roster. So, uh, you know, this, this is a classic Oakland A's move, right? They get a guy in a one-year deal. It's a good value contract. Uh, you know, I think you put in the notes there that initially he was hoping to get a four-year yeah, four-year deal. So, uh, you know, they kind of, they kind of bought low, which is again is classic classic A's. I lo- love this move for them, definitely. Yeah, I mean, because they're to me they're a, a baseball playing team. You know, they try to they try to scrape runs across and do it however they can. And especially if you're in one run games, if you're gonna go out and spend money, you actually do have to do it on the guy that shuts it down in the last inning. So, um, it's crazy to I, I was looking up Rosenthal and just kind of seeing his like career path and that dude has been on a roller coaster of, yeah, he was like 24. He was pitching in the world series, like striking out like two guys in inning in the world series, throwing like one Oh two. And then two years later when he, like he was in the prime of his career, like not able to throw strikes. And he walked like, it was right around like 40% of the batters he faced, (laughs) which was just like, what, (laughs) How can you go from so good? And then last year he turned it back around. So it's just like, it's incredible to watch how big of a swing he's had. And I mean, even if you catch him like in somewhat of like a higher trend, you know, a bullish candle as one would call it as uh, referring to our bullish and bearish segment. But if you just catch a good wave of Trevor, Trevor Rosenthal, then you're going to get a elite closer who's throwing a hundo. So. I think it's a great deal for them too. A lot of yeah, good moves. I, and and it, it's a smart move, right? Because even if you catch the bad Trevor, it's a one-year deal, so you're not going to get burned either way. And yep. you know, it's it's a it's a bullpen arm, so there's always you can always kind of have a a next man up uh, mentality there for sure. Definitely. Um, one, this is kind of related to baseball. I didn't put this in the show notes, but I I just thought of this. I I thought it was interesting. Did you see? the over under win total for the Dodgers it yes, opened it at 104 and a half I think right <laughs> yeah what so that's the highest I saw that's the highest opening over uh like win total since uh 1998 I think with the Yankees so I'm just looking because my initial gut when I saw that was oh hammer the under like the uh, the Dodgers are amazing but that's so many that's tough. That's so many games to win. Yeah, it, it's. I mean, it's going to take them at least 145 to like consider getting there, right? Yeah. So I'm looking through. I'm looking at a Wikipedia list of all the hundred win seasons of all time. So the Dodgers won 106 games in 19, and then they won 104 games in 17. Uh, let's, so like recent history, okay. The 17 Astro or the 19 Astros, 107, obviously they were cheating. So now we know why they did that. Those bastards, uh, 18 Red Sox won 108. Uh, then we got to go all the way. 2004 Cardinals won 105. The one Mariners of course, won 116, which how crazy is that? Like, the freaking 2001 Mariners, the year after they get rid of like Griffey, A-Rod, Randy Johnson, they went 116 games. That's wow. that's so insane to think about. Uh, 98 Braves won 106. 98 Yankees won 114. Uh, 90, 1986 Mets won 108. 
And then 75 Reds won 108, 70, 1970 Orioles won 108. So I don't know. I guess like what what do you it's think? Possible. If you had if you had to bet this, where what would you bet? Over if, it's, if it's even on both, it's both even sides money of it. on both. Yep. I honestly think I'm taking the over. It's it's crazy. A hundred and a hundred and five and fifty-five, but I mean they are that good. So yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, oof, man, a tough that is, one, right? Yeah, I keep, I like the more I think about it, you're like, oh, no, like they might just coast at the end, you know? Because my gut says no way they win that many. Like too many. But if, the, if the Padres but are at 98 or 99, you know, and yeah. still knocking on the door to maybe like get home field, they're gonna, they're gonna finish it off strong. So. I think I think the Padres are going to help to motivate them to that 105 plus. That's a good point. Yeah. No, if they're if the Padres are putting pressure on them that uh that definitely could keep them to, you know, kind of keep the keep the pedal down for sure. Yeah. But yeah, that'll be that'll be an interesting one to watch. I don't know. I'll have to do some more research over the next couple of days. I don't know if I'm going to bet that. I I kind of want to bet that uh just cuz I'm interested in it. Last year I was big on I can't remember if we talked about this. Last year I was convinced that the under on the Baltimore Orioles to win like 20 games was an absolute lock. Uh, then, then they pretty much passed that within like the first 30 games of the season. So yeah. Right. <laughs> so that, that was a tough one. That was a big, that was a big. L over here for Greedo, but uh, you know, we'll keep, we'll keep swinging. Yeah. I mean uh, like I was in the NFL, I did a bunch of over and under win totals for teams and like, there was some for sure where I was like, okay, I know for a fact, like they're going to do that. And then there was others where you're like, okay, never mind. I was so far off. I couldn't believe it. Right. Yeah. I took the Bengals to win over six. That was a good call. Nice. Yeah. All right. Um, last thing pitchers and catchers reported two days ago. Yeah. And it was basically just the general reporting date. So they're all just kind of operating on like a, very very general framework and like it, it's still like honestly if i didn't look this up i would, would i would have no idea that they reported the other day it's kind of really flying under the radar i don't know dude they're just so bad at marketing no one, and like no getting their is, information yeah. out yeah no one is talking about it it's really i i literally was thinking that the other day i was like man what's i haven't heard i mean when i'm at work we have a we have ESPN rocking in the background, like the majority of the day uh, or like some of the morning, you know, morning debate shows. And there's just yeah. no, there's no discussion of it, man. There's just, there's no discussion of baseball. And that's such a, I just, if you're Rob Manfred, don't you watch that stuff? And aren't you just like, shit, man. Like, right. doesn't that make you like seethe that they're, you, they're no literally one talks just about talking you? About yeah, they're literally just talking about Carson Wentz, like some dude that didn't yeah. even play last year. We're getting, and it's like the first week of the NFL offseason. He wasn't on a playoff team. He didn't play. Freaking stuff, like all this stuff. And, and we're getting 10 times more interesting than yes. anything yes. MLB right now. You're like, what is happening? Why, why are they so bad at this? So I have, I have a radical, a radical rule segment for baseball to change. All I was right. talking about this the other day. It's about time yeah. we brought this segment back. We're, 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 we're bringing it back. We're going, I'm really doing a bad job sticking to the script tonight, but we're, we're going for it. That's so, okay. I think a big issue with baseball is that 
I don't think it, like people talk about Mike Trout and how he doesn't like to do media stuff or commercials and all that. Uh, and I agree. It would help if he was more into that or who, these guys, whichever guy, if they're more into that. But I think a bigger deal, it's not so much their personality. And if they're a big guy, it's, it's the impact they can have on the game. And we've talked it. We've talked about this on this podcast before, but for baseball, the offensive players just don't really have that big of an impact because they only hit a few times per game. And for starting pitchers, that's the a starting pitcher is the closest thing you can get to a quarterback or like a LeBron where they're going to impact almost every single play. Right. Yeah. And like, if you have the right pitcher, you have a really good chance of winning that game. Yeah. Right. So, so my proposition is we move MLB baseball to you make it in like an 80 game season, like the NBA and you play, you play basically like Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday, or you play like Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So almost like a modified college schedule. Like four games a week um, against – what if you just did four-game series against one team a week and it limits travel too? Yeah, that could work. That could work for sure. I like like doing – I'm liking it. I like doing the two and two, and here's why though. Because you could have – so Trevor Bauer has mentioned in the past that he'd like to start like 40 games in a year. I think baseball's only chance of really creating the type of stars that they want is to, to position it to where starting pitchers could pitch like half of their team's games because the, that's the closest thing you can have to like a quarterback. So let's say um, like for the Dodgers, like let's say Walker Bueller and Trevor Bauer and Clayton Kershaw could pretty much pitch every game for the Dodgers this year. That would give people, because the average fan, I think where baseball really suffers, the average fan. Yeah, that's a good point doesn't know like who the second baseman for the Brewers is and, and they don't really care. And the difference is I don't think the average fan knows who the left tackle for or the left guard for the Bengals is or who the backup power forward for the Raptors is, but you don't really need to know because if you know the key players in basketball and football, you know, like it's still good. Yep, yeah. It's still you, good product. Exactly. And those are the guys that are going to have the ball. Most of the time they're doing most action. You, you know what I mean? Like you kind of know, if you just know those guys, you know, 80% of the game. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, that does make a lot of sense. And w- even if even if the players weren't on board at first, what if you did like two seasons a year and then you you're actually playing baseball in some weather too? Yeah. Um that might be interesting or you can like Yeah, I mean, now with with COVID, honestly, it's proven that you can be pretty flexible with baseball and move it around and like you can change up schedules and it wasn't that it wasn't impacted nearly as much as they expected it to be as far as the gameplay was last year, you know, it was relative to stats and everything. So I think that'd be something cool you can do to, and like, imagine if there's two seasons a year and you're working, like you're negotiating new contracts that are two seasons, but they're one year, you know, so it could, it would kind of change the whole structure of everything, but Hey, I, I, I think we should uh, get some, get some uh, whiteboard conversations going with some of this stuff and start uh, start writing it up and presenting it to these guys. Yeah, definitely. Cause I think you need to, if you're MLB, you need to be thinking outside the box about how can we create, how can we make our stars bigger stars? Right. And to me, p- positioning the game to where you could have a start and that would give other, like I would argue that it would give other teams like small market teams, even a better chance. Cause take a team like the For pirates, sure. If they sign, like, let's say they draft and develop the next, uh, like, let's say they have Garrett Cole. That basically makes them a playoff team. It's like the Cavaliers drafting LeBron James. You're That's insta- true. 
Yeah, you're instantly a contender if you have a good play. You're instantly going to be good because they can have that much of an impact. I yep. I don't know how. Yes. Yeah, e- exactly. So I don't know how you do that for the offensive players. We've talked before about the idea of letting the best best offensive player have like an extra pinch hit or something. Um, I, it's it's a little bit tougher there, but I That's think still for a good the pitchers. Rule. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because uh, yeah, so I think for the for the starting pitchers that's baseball's version of the quarterback. We need to get, put these guys in the situation where they have the ball the most possible. Cause that's the best, that's the best marketing for baseball. So, so yeah, think of one player gets, gets usually three or four chances at how many, how many at bats are there in a, in a given night? Um, like 70 for the entire game. Yeah, probably. That sounds right. Even if you gave them five to six instead of four to five, like let's let's just do with um, like decimal like instead of four point five plate appearances per game they got five point five or like five point three if you're gonna use a different type of hitter for a certain situation but just that increased impact would actually like ha- make people want to watch a superstar like a Mike Trout or a Tatis or a Trevor Story or I'm just rattling yes. off names here you know like Absolutely. you're just you're gonna get better content by the players that you want to see the most so they, they, they need to start thinking of something to get that going and stop worrying about the just traditions of baseball that are so in etched in stone that they don't need to be changed at all like mix it up a little bit change change the rules around and let let them let the people see the best players. Cause there's a ton, a ton of superstars in the MLB right now that a lot of people have no idea who they are. Yeah, definitely. What, when I talk to people about this, what I try to tell them is imagine if you watched the Lakers game and LeBron could only shoot four or five times a night. Right. Imagine how frustrating that would be to know that you're like, you're watching one of the best players in the, the history of sports, but he can't impact the game. Or imagine if Tom Brady could only throw four or five passes every night. And that's basically, I mean, that's what's happening with, that's Mike Trout. That's essentially what happens to him every single night. So I I really think that's a basic like structural issue with the game of baseball that they should actively look to look to address. Or what if you, what if you weren't allowed to walk them? Yeah. Yeah. That'd be, he just got, he just got unlimited balls. Or, or you know what you could do is you could do you could do a hybrid of, of the rule I was saying. Like maybe you don't get a free pinch hit whenever you want, but if you walk Mike Trout, Ghost Runner goes to first and he's hitting again. Ooh. Right? So like you walk him again. Cause then, oh dude, I like that. Cause think about this. Because you have right? to pitch to him now. You have to pitch to him. So <laughs> yes. it, right. Cause imagine if you walked him, cause they'd probably still get walked because people are trying to pitch carefully, but now it's like, Oh shit, man. Like, man, I'm yeah. first. I got to face him again. And then if you walked him again, it's like, Oh, first and second, I got to face trout again. <laughs> you have to just pipe him a fastball and you just do damage. That, oh man. All right. So I now I'm developing more plans in my head as we keep talking about this, that would be like a short season. So you do the regular season of 80 games. And then the short season is like, you can't walk him. And that's like the rule <laughs> for the short season. And he just gets to, tater every and he'll hit more home runs in that year than he would in the 80 game season that would be fantastic i honestly baseball solved baseball solved there we go yep yep all right what what else we got to talk about are we all good on baseball i mean they still aren't giving us much to uh, get excited about yet so i know taiwan walker just went to the mets that's a good pickup for him another end of the rotation guy that He's had good years, he's had bad years, and he's been hurt quite a bit. So really hard to tell what's going to happen there, but always good to get a guy with a high upside like that. 
some yep add some depth can't can never have too many arms yeah all right so i want to get into the nfl but give us one second here we'll be right back with you All right, we're back. We got NFL. Carson Wentz has just been traded to the Indianapolis Colts. Um, I mean, was this kind of the obvious answer the whole way? Because Frank Reich was the one who was actually coaching him when he did have his good seasons and was doing pretty well in Philly. Um, yeah, I think this what makes the most sense, definitely. Yeah, I know there was the Bears getting thrown around and a couple other teams, but none of them really – made made as much sense as the Colts. So let, let's get into a little bit of a de- debate before we start talking numbers and stats and all that I want to bring up. But would do the Colts now have a higher ceiling with Wentz as opposed to Phillip Rivers, or would you still rather go into the playoffs with Phillip Rivers, even though he's retired? So this is going to be maybe a hot take. I think the Colts have a higher ceiling with Carson Wentz than they did with Phillip Rivers. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Okay, yeah, just I mean, for Philip Rivers, we said well, we said it about him, about the Colts last at the end of uh, the playoffs. Like, we both said they're not true title contenders. Philip Rivers has never gotten it done. He's not the type of guy that's going to lead you to a Super Bowl. He's going to get you to the playoffs. He's a very, very good quarterback, right. very, very good. Um, but he's not a Super Bowl quarterback. I don't know that Carson necessarily is, but the last time we saw him playing with Frank Reich, they. You know, I mean, they, he he was an MVP candidate. So I, if that's still in there, I don't know. But I think the upside is there. Yeah, I think Frank is going to take that risk, too. He's like, well, I've coached him before when he was pretty damn good. He had over like 30 touchdowns and single digit interceptions that year. I don't I'm not looking at the stats or anything, but I remember he was very good that one season when they actually won the Super Bowl. And that was like 12 games in. Uh, do we do we think the Eagles got enough value back, or were they just happy to cut bait basically and move on and ad- address the other glaring issues that they have as a franchise? Yeah, yeah. I mean, initially I I had heard that it was just the third round pick, but then there's also conditional pick that could become. I think it can become a first round pick, right? If he plays yeah. like more than seventy five percent. So yep. Yeah. yeah the stipulation you know- is that if he plays over seventy five percent of the games that it's a first round pick. So if they, if he basically he's the starter and plays 12 out of the 16 games, then that becomes a first round pick. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think it's good value. Yeah. I, th- I think it's a good trade. I think the Eagles did well to get rid of him. that. You couldn't come to camp with him on the team. Obviously that wasn't, that was broken. And I saw, I saw your notes was saying, right. There was apparently that relationship was, was really bad with the uh, season. They didn't talk to each other. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's pretty unbelievable. Yeah, He didn't have a single conversation with his head coach for eight weeks during the regular season. I mean, there was, there was points where he was the starting quarterback. How did they even logistically make that work? Well, I think it makes sense. It makes a little more sense to me, at least now why that, team was just such a mess you know so bad yeah there's no no communication and for the eagles right this is just another example of what the hell is going on in that organization i mean how do you get to a point where your head coach and your quarterback are not like do you put this more on carson or is this more on doug peterson it's 
um b- between the like that relationship um, yeah like how do they get to that point where they're not they don't talk for eight weeks yeah at some point someone's got to walk into their like either walk up to him at his locker or walk into his office and be like yo we need to sit down and work this out you know like let's not be children anymore about this yeah i mean yeah that's crazy I, Cause I, I would say I I'd put blame on Doug Peterson, right? Like you're, at the end of the day, you're the coach, right? He's the player. You, you're, you, you have to, uh, that that's kind of, that's part of your job as coach, right? Is to communicate, especially head coach is to be the communicator and to bring these guys together. Like us. And for Doug Peterson too, you should know, listen, if you don't have a relationship with the, with your quarterback, that's probably not good for your job security. And obviously, you know, he's no longer there, but yeah, yeah. that's a, that's a weird, that's a weird situation, man. That's, that's crazy. And it just reminds me of, we talked about this before, but like some of these organizations in football are so, are so far behind. Like, can you imagine Andy Reed, for example, going eight weeks without talking to his quarterback? No, never. Not even the backup. I mean, like, yeah, it's just, I don't know, man. Some people are playing chess and some people are playing checkers for real. Uh, let's go into some crazy stats, though. So this was uh, tweeted by Field Yates. And so I'll just quote it and then unquote it. Quote, and with the trade of Carson Wentz, there will now be not a single quarterback drafted in the first round from 2009 to 2016 that is still with his original team. Zero out of 22 total. Wow. End quote. That is wild. That is crazy to think of. I mean, there's a number of them that are retired, too. We've got... Mark Sanchez, um, Freeman, is that um, jo- Josh Freeman? Josh Freeman, yeah, I guess yeah. he was a first-round pick. Um, you've got Bradford, Tebow. You've got Newton, Jake Locker, who's retired. Locker. Blaine wow. Gabbert, uh, now the backup. Christian Ponder, Andrew Luck, RG3, Tannehill, Brandon Whedon, CJ Manuel. <laughs> Wow. Blake Bortles, Johnny Manziel, Teddy Bridgewater, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, and Paxton Lynch. Ouch. My favorite thing about those tweets, too, was when it would be like Paxton Lynch, and he just said LOL afterwards. Yes, LOL. (laughs) Ponder, LOL. (laughs) It shows how good. That that proves our point again, how good Todd McShay <laughs> and freaking uh, what's the other clown's name? Mel Kuyper. Mel Kuyper. Todd, Todd, Todd. Todd, Todd. Yes. Gosh. <laughs> like, I feel like we could toss a coin and do their jobs better than they could. Be like, all right, so here's the top five quarterbacks. Let's toss a coin for first for, for the guy we think is number one. Heads or heads or tails between Josh Allen and uh, who was the other quarterback taken in the first round that year? Uh, Baker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's literally – their odds are worse than that. Like, they've be, whiffed on 22 straight. It'd be interesting to see uh, if we went back and looked at the – like, what draft grades Kuiper and McShay had assigned all those guys. All these guys were top grades, I'm pretty sure. You like think when, so? They were saying Winston and Mariota were going to be generational. They were saying, but like, uh, what about like Brandon Whedon and like? They, yeah, they Daniel were. And, I remember they were pretty pretty low on those guys, like Manziel, um, Bortles. The, for sure, they were ripping on Bortles. Uh, they, well, I mean, Andrew Luck, who they were saying was like the best ever. 
you know, like they were saying Peyton Manning or bust for Andrew Luck. But do you think Andrew Luck was a bust? No. I mean, it's you tough retire, to say. I guess you can't, you don't really get, let people make up their minds on that. Well, and he was just hurt so much, right? Like, I feel right, like, right. I feel like if he could have stayed healthy, he would have maybe not been Peyton Manning, but, but been really good. So, yeah, no, but I mean, to your point though, right? Like either way, we, any way we look at it, whether it's, and I don't even think it's as bad. Like, I don't even care about McShay and Kuiper so much, but for these NFL teams, right? Where it's like, well, why do they listen to them? I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, do you think that they're that they're that a lot of the NFL front offices are 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 being? I think there is some kind of persuasion persuaded on persuaded by sure. rankings that McShay and Kuiper put out. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I mean, but if you're, it, I guess my, I guess my thing then is like shame on those front offices, right? I mean, if you and me became, if you were like GM all of a sudden, and I was like assistant GM of an NFL team. I feel like even we, we would like, we would watch tape. I would be like, okay, I'm probably not the best person to evaluate a quarterback. We need to bring in, like, we need to get people in the room that we trust that are experts, not just like intuitively. I wouldn't just go off of what. Yeah. It's like, that's like me trying to pay my mortgage with Dogecoin and expecting that to be like a a sure thing. Like what? (laughs) Yes. That's, that's, that's like the best analogy I've ever heard. Yeah. (laughs) For sure. I know it sounds funny, but it's like that's almost what they're doing. They're just shooting shotguns into the air and hoping that they take something down. You know, I, I don't get it. Um, yeah. Anyways, gotta- let, let's go on to some other NFL news. <laughs> I mean, we, we can we'll probably talk more about Wentz as we get closer and stuff and how they're going to rebuild around him. What do you think about the Eagles? Do you think that's a good good move for them just to get get it out of there and be like, all right, let's just worry about building around Hurts? They also released Alshon Jeffrey today. So is that a good or bad thing for them? Uh, releasing Alshon Jeffrey? Yeah. I think it's good. He, yeah, he's, he's, start he's, over. he's always hurt. He yeah. When was the last time Alshon Jeffrey played a whole year? I mean, it feels uh, like a long time ago, like 2016, 15. Yeah, he also... I don't know, man. I feel like he just drops balls now all the time. But yeah, so to, to your question, I think um, I don't think they had a choice. I think they had to get rid of Carson Wentz. Could you couldn't bring him back, especially now that we're knowing that we're finding out how bad that situation was internally. I think the Eagles did the. I've never said this before in a long time, but I think the Eagles did the right move. I think they did about as well. Yeah, they could have done getting the third round pick and hopefully. I mean, probably what's going to be a first-round pick. I, I'm sure the Colts are not trading for Carson Wentz with the with the idea of not playing him. Yeah. So, yeah, and and you get to see. I know you really like Jalen Hurts. I I think the jury is still very much out on him. I I really don't know. I'm going to say I need to see more before I can pass judgment there. But uh, at least now you get to find out what you have there, right? And you don't have this toxic situation in the in the team facility. Yeah. If well, a quick hypothetical if let's say one of these quarterbacks that is projected to be like a first rounder drops and he's available when the Colts come back up to draft do you think they like maybe consider getting another quarterback to make Wentz kind of like shape up a little bit oh um or you think they keep they try to just keep building the defense or another I think what they really need is a one more receiver or a better big better more lethal tight end threat but what do i know yeah i 
they would have to really, really like someone to take them there at, at a take to take a quarterback. I, I like what you said about going after a receiver. Yeah. You got to try to get weapons if you're going to make moves like that, right? I think so. Yeah. Um, so let's also look into uh, more NFL news. Richard Sherman is apparently out with the 49ers and it's been reported that he also wants to go ring hunting similar to JJ Watt is going to only be talking to contenders or maybe like divisional opponents like LA or uh, Arizona or something like that to where he's, he's wanting to like kind of stay in his domain of the NFC West, but still go, go like be on a contenders team. I would actually kind of like him having him as a Cardinal as much as I've hated him for the last like 10 years. Um, cheering against Richard Sherman and hoping that he fails miserably pretty much every game. But I would be gladly inviting him to come to the Cardinals and fill in for Peterson. I don't know if it would necessarily make the Cardinals like a better team, like, cause obviously they're parting ways with Patrick Peterson too. Um, or, or do you think it actually would make them better? Like going from Peterson to Sherman was, is that an upgrade? Oh man. Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't. I don't think it's a big downgrade, but I think it's. I see that as kind of a lateral move. Yeah, exactly. It wouldn't wouldn't make them any better. Wouldn't make them much worse, or if any worse. Yeah, you have a little. You have a little bit of fire from someone because Peterson clearly doesn't really care what the team does. You know, he was. I actually, I, I should probably take that back. I don't know what what Peterson's mindset was, but you can tell Sherman cares a whole lot whatever team he goes to. So. That's a good point. I'd probably rather have that fire. Yeah, I think too, like even if we view it as a lateral move from a ability standpoint at at this point in their careers, um, Richard Sherman is definitely, I mean, he's definitely a leader, right? Oh, for sure. So, and I don't know that you can say, I mean, you know the Cardinals better than me. Do you think Patrick Peter? I mean, Patrick Peterson's obviously one of the most talented football players in the NFL over the past five years, but I don't know how much of a of a of a true leader he is. He's just more so just a really good player, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he's the uh the rah rah get everyone pumped up and hold everyone accountable type guy. He's there to kind of get his and and move on from from the last 10 years yeah. that I've watched him play, but I I could always be wrong. I, I don't, I'm not in the locker room, I don't know, but just saying that to kind of cover myself, but I, I don't yeah, I, I would honestly rather have the the passion of a Richard Sherman as opposed to the talent, so-called talent of a Patrick Peterson. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you there for sure. Yeah, let's go with the Panthers. They uh, just released Kawan Short, Stephen Weatherly, and safety Trey Boston, and their punter Michael Pilardi, clearing $28 million of cap space. That, that looks an awful lot when I squint. That looks an awful lot like a number you'd pay a quarterback. Um, and if there's any elite quarterbacks on the market right now, is, isn't there a guy named, uh, Deshaun Watson available? I've heard of him and I've heard, I've heard he might be available. Wow. Yeah. I, to me, this points at, he is going to Carolina. They're going to do what they ha- they can. They've kind of just parted the, parted the seas for him. Now they just need to figure out what, what they need to do to get him as far as what they need to give up for him. But I mean, I, I think if you're Houston, you got to really strongly consider it, especially with, with what you just did with JJ Watt. You've been, you've been willing to show that you're you're ready to negotiate some large pieces. If, I mean, 
for me, they gave up a large piece that didn't make a whole lot of sense by not getting anything back, but you can at least get a lot back for Watson because of the age and position and so on and so forth that he does. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I, I, I agree with, I agree with all your points there. They, they should be able to, uh, to get a haul for him there. Who would, who would be your favorite, favorite like place for him? We, I feel like we talk about this every week, but where would you like to see him that gives him the best chance to win and, and be the best he can be? I want to see, I'd like to see him with the Niners and just from a fan and going into a situation where I think they could win right away. That would be, yeah, I, I think the Niners would be, would be an awesome situation. I don't, I don't know if that, if that works, you know, obviously they got to, they'd have to move Jimmy G and all that stuff. But uh, just from what I'd want to see, I think, I think 49ers, how, how about you? I would, I would say San Fran or Miami. I, I think Miami would be. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about Miami. Miami's the only other one that I, I would see would be a good spot for him. And I, I really like what Miami's doing down, down there uh, with Brian Flores. Yeah. They've gotten I, better I and better be- in the last two years. They said they were in like a rebuilding phase, but they're actually, they're here to win now. And last year it was very clear that they were short a quarterback and a couple like receiver weapons. So if you can take care of that quarterback position, then sky's the limit with, with Miami. Yeah, for sure. No, I like that. And not to, uh, not to change the subject too well, but I, I pulled up an article that has Todd McShay's, uh, grades for first round quarterbacks for every first round quarterback from the past decade and and you are uh well let, I'll, I'll i'll read you a few of them okay so was uh, i right or order, wrong let's just talk about that was i right or wrong uh i think you were right okay i think good. you were right so he had andrew luck graded 99 uh pre-draft ranking number one overall i'm gonna say i think he hit on that one uh three pro bowls obviously wasn't a we, we can't judge his full career based on the injuries and, and uh, him retiring. He had Matt Ryan graded a 98, number five overall. Uh, oh, so, so, I think, so Matt Ryan is one that's actually stayed with his team, yeah? Uh, yeah, he's from 2000. He was drafted 2008, though. So I, he's, I think he was a little bit before the uh, – Oh, okay. Yep. But so he hit on that. But then he had, he had Jameis Winston with a 97, pre-draft yes. ranking number one overall. Squinston. Squinston. He had Sam Bradford also with a grade of 97, number Ooh. three overall. And I think Bradford, Bradford to me was a guy that the the injuries, right? I don't really know. I think if he had been able to stay healthy, we could have seen something different from him. Well, according to how much Sam Bradford got paid, one would argue that he is probably the greatest quarterback of all time because this he is, didn't have to play very much and got this so much money. True. This is true. He was the last, <laughs> he was the last rookie class where I think his deal was, I think his rookie contract was like 60 mil and it was like, Ooh guaranteed or something yeah that is sweet all right what, who else insane. we got uh i know uh i listened to, uh we got rg3 also graded at 97 okay so that's a big miss then, then this is where it starts to get good mark sanchez 96 pre-draft ranking number seven overall that one i do not get he i mean he sucked i would he play had, the clown noise right here like wah, wah. he had stafford at 95 overall so i think he got that one right yeah Blaine, yeah he had the same pre-draft grade on Blaine Gabbert, T. Will, as he did Matt Stafford. So he gave Blaine Gabbert a 95, number five overall. If you could go back now, what would you rate Gabbert? Like a 68? 
Yeah, I mean, right? Like he's a he's a backup quarterback. Like he's not right. even a, a he's not even a starter. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna fast forward through some of the stuff. Here's here's some of the funny ones he had. So he gave Blake Bortles a 91, uh, and then Blake Bortles got a 91. Josh Rosen got a 91. Josh Allen was a 91. Jared Goff was a 91. Carson Wentz was a 91. He gave Jake Locker a 90, Manziel a 90, Baker a 90. Then Deshaun Watson graded at 88. How how Patrick Mahomes? It. Patrick Mahomes graded at 85. Yeah, like where do you where are you coming overall. up with this number for Mahomes, dude? Like how many yards he can throw it is all? Yeah, I I, I don't I don't know his so here's what he wrote he said only the third FBS player with multiple seasons of 5,000 total yards of offense Mahomes faces a steep learning curve transitioning to a pro style offense and his mechanics are all over the place however he's a hard worker with an outstanding skill set including a powerful arm and terrific arm talent so and I, I have heard uh I think I heard him on a podcast talk about how Mahomes was the hardest guy for him to evaluate because mechanically everything was really bad but he always threw the ball where it needed to be. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like, like that. I feel like that Mahomes told him this, that he felt like uh, him landing in Kansas city was the, yeah, just that he said that him landing in Kansas city was the perfect, perfect spot for him. Cause he got to learn under Andy Reid. He got to learn from Alex Smith. Uh, cut him a little slack there, but yeah, that's, that's tough. I mean, when you're looking at a guy, what did he, what did he rate Trubisky ever. at? Trubisky was rated ahead of Mahomes. He had Trubisky rated at Trubisky was rated ahead of Deshaun Watson. He rated Mitchell Trubisky ahead of Deshaun Watson in the same draft class. I mean, that's just on only just, 11 games of tape too, right? He rated Trubisky a 89 and, and Watson was a 88. So you, yeah, you think I, pace actually read that the GM of the bears and was just like, well, McShane, you know, or Kuiper's going with uh, going with Trubisky as their guy, so that's who we're going to trade up for. Yeah, it's uh, and I'm reading his. No, I, I I think they did read that. I think you're I think you're right, man. Like he definitely. So looking at this, I think the only way to look at it is say that exactly what you said, T. Well, you were right. McShane literally just flips a coin. It seems like, and so he gets some of these right and some of he doesn't. I think for the quarterbacks too. So like for Trubisky, here's his little blurb that he wrote. Only was a one-year starter and will need time to develop and hone his craft. He's an accurate passer with a frame and quality pocket awareness, mobility, and arm strength to develop into an effective NFL starter. I feel like for these guys, they get way too caught up in the projection of some of these guys too. Like, yeah. I mean, Deshaun Watson is a good football player. He was a great football player at Clemson. He's a great football player in high school. Like, isn't there something for just watching these guys that always win and are always good? Yeah, right? there should be something to said, something right? to said for their record. But if you can tell that it's them that's doing it, like let's go to Matt Leinart, for example. Like it was very clear that it was Reggie Bush, Lendale White, Dwayne Jarrett, and and Co. And he had about like seven other NFL players on his defense that were doing that. Like that was pretty easy to tell. But Deshaun Watson, yes, he had a very good team as well. But Deshaun Watson, you can tell, was creating those plays himself. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, I I, uh, I I totally agree with you there. I don't I don't get that stuff, man. I just don't know. I'm looking at these rankings and I'm seeing like Brandon Whedon is ranked right below Deshaun Watson, next to Christian Ponder, Christian Ponder and Paxton Lynch. Like, 
I don't know very much about football, but I watched those dudes play in college and I watched Deshaun Watson play in college. And it was pretty clear that Deshaun Watson was a lot better than Brandon Whedon. Right? Like, maybe they think about it too much. Like, maybe they yeah. just, maybe they know too much. Maybe they need to call us and we'll take just a break. Be like, no, man, I watched Oklahoma State play a couple times. Like, this dude's not that good. Yeah. They couldn't even cover against Iowa State. I'm not. I'm not I'm not high on this guy. Just leave it at that. Yep, absolutely. All right. Um, let's talk about a little bit about NBA. We want to get you guys amped up about the season. It's gonna get the playoffs are gonna be good, but we want you to uh know what's going on before we get into there. Fantasy, I've I've got to admit, my fantasy basketball team, don't count them out yet. We're not eliminated. The bubble boys, they're circling. They're uh we're like vultures in the air. We can smell the meat. We're uh, we're rolling here. If if I win this week, that's you know what that is, Heim, right? Uh, they call that a win streak. Yeah, he nailed it. Yes, they call that a winning streak. So if I can shut it down on Sunday, I'll I'll keep you guys posted on Instagram. But if they can uh, if they can they can hold them together here. If if Embiid decides to play, I, I like my chances. So uh, we've got a bunch of good Shout games. Shout out Joel Embiid. Yeah. Point game tonight. First hundred pointer. So I've got basically I need to sell high is, is what we talked about earlier. I think it's time that Joel Embiid hits the trade market and I'm going to need something good for him. So if if all the guys in our league are listening right now, uh, he's, he's on the market. So you let me know and send me some trades for Embiid. But let's, t- let's talk about some some games that I want to definitely catch and watch and uh, good bets that we might have for for this weekend. So tonight, Suns-Pelicans just ended. I just had that written down as a good game. The Pelicans have been handling the Suns pretty well. And we just I just watched the final wrap up, and the Suns outscored them 41-12 to in the fourth quarter. Um, so that was, that was impressive, watching them just go out and dominate like that. The Pelicans kind of, kind of pushed them around the, the first three quarters, and then the Suns just flipped the switch. So... I think the Suns are for real this year. I know you've got some some bets that would say otherwise, but do you think the Suns are, are are pretty legit? The Suns are looking good. I prior to, I I think it in one of the very first episodes we, at least me, I said that I had them to finish between six and eight in the West. Uh, I'm not ready to come off that just yet, but I mean, they're definitely playing like they're better than a six seed right now. So yeah. Um, Chris Paul has been huge for them. Uh, Cam Johnson's taking a step forward. Uh, Bridges looks really good. Bridges. Uh, yeah, they, yep. Yep. They're 18 they're and 10. Good. They look good. They look good. Definitely. So if they keep this up, I will be, uh, I'm going to be on the hook for some, uh, for some bets. Definitely. Yeah, that's all right. You win some, you lose some in, in betting for sure. Let's let's talk about some bets. Speaking of that, um, Raptors and T Wolves tonight were a three point. Um, so the Raptors were only a three point favorite against Minnesota Timberwolves, and I I'm pulling up the game right now on on what the final was for that. But what, what it was only three and a half. I don't I don't understand why, but obviously, of course, there was four minutes left in the fourth quarter. Minnesota is up by four. Uh, some of these like make absolutely no sense to me. I would have, they, that was like a sucker bet, you know, when like they get you in. Oh, Toronto or Toronto was, uh, yeah, plus four or minus four and a half when the game started. 
and I, that makes no sense to me how how this happens here. But because um, Toronto has been playing lights out, like they just whooped on Milwaukee the other day, and I don't know. I mean, I was I was just watching them pass the ball around, and it was absolutely incredible just watching them watching them do their thing, and they seemed unstoppable for a good. 10 to 15 minutes during that game the other night. And the, the final score was like 20, like 20 point difference, but it was much further than that as Toronto has been playing some really good basketball. Kyle Lowry's heating up. I, I really like what, what Toronto's doing. I think they're going to storm back and, and get back into the, like the top four of the East here pretty soon. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta like Toronto. I mean, that team has been through, uh, they've been through the fires. Uh, they're battle tested. They, everyone on that team knows their, uh, Knows their role for sure. So, um, yep. I, I think they were, I think it's been tough on them initially because they're people forget they're playing out of, uh, out of Florida. So they don't have a, uh, a, a home court essentially. Ooh, yeah. That's something to think about. Cause they started off super slow. The, the shooting percentage was down like 9%. So yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I think, I don't know, maybe, uh, I know Kyle Lowry was out tonight. I know that because he's on my fantasy team, and I was pissed. So maybe that was contributing to the yeah to the no, being that, a little that bit makes sense. Bit lower. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think you're right on with that. I d- I do see uh, I do see Toronto as a team that's gonna um, kind of storm their way up the uh, up the standings here. Yep. Yeah, they're gonna get comfortable and they're gonna be dangerous down the stretch. Uh, let's go to um, the Clippers. Clippers against Utah was tonight as well. And right now they're at halftime. Clippers are up 57-49. I'm going to just read off my notes because I was taking the Clippers tonight. So Utah is 2-0 and against the Clippers this season. But as in my handy-dandy notes say, look for Cleveland – or not Cleveland. Look for the Clippers <laughs> to have a chip on their shoulder tonight and, and go out and beat Utah straight up, even though they were – couple point dogs going into it but i really liked the clippers even if um they were gonna, they were supposed to be like Kawhi was questionable and paul george was questionable it looks like just Kawhi is playing tonight so oh never mind george george has 12 minutes at halftime so he's been sitting for a good good portion of it but they they still play really well and i think they're they're gonna out physical to utah and i, I i'm gonna go on record right now and say, look for Utah to take a couple steps back. The way that they're playing is, I don't know. I don't know what a good term for it other than unsustainable. Yep. Is there anything you can think of? Like regression, Utah re- regression to the mean, probably a little bit. I mean, for sure. The The only thing with Utah, I will say, I do think that they, I think the sum is greater than the parts uh, in the sense that everyone on that team seems to really know their role. Uh, Conley has, looked a lot better this year he last year he they didn't really get the mike conley that they thought they were going to get so um i don't expect them to finish as the number one team in the west but i do think they're for real in the sense that uh i think they could i think they could give the clippers trouble in the playoffs uh yeah if if ad is healthy again we i keep i know i keep saying the same thing but it's because i believe it if ad is healthy lebron's healthy nobody's beat yep no one's taking la
So yeah, if the Lakers are healthy, it's tough to see anybody beating them. That being said, I do I do think the Jazz are a legit top three team. I think you're right where they're going to come back. They're going to come back to, back to the pack a little bit. Um, but I think they've, you know, you're seeing the benefit of keeping the core nucleus around them that they clearly are comfortable with each other and know how to play together uh, and are, are, are comfortable in their roles. So we'll see. Uh, uh, I mean, it's, it's kind of exciting to have a, uh, a team moving up into that upper echelon uh, and potentially looking to, to compete with the big boys, especially a small, small market team like Utah. I think that's, that's good for the NBA. So we'll see what they can do moving forward, but they're a fun team to watch. I, I like watching them play. Definitely. For sure. I like that. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're almost there, but they're not quite, they're not quite that team where you're expecting them to, to be. And I mean, I mean, I guess I could see them making it to the to the West Finals or something, but no way they're making it making it further than that. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's get into Saturday. We've got Warriors versus Charlotte Hornets. I'm liking that game. Curry has been incredible these last couple weeks, and he's coming back to his hometown. He's going to put on a show. His dad is actually. Um, it's, he's not the color commenter. He's just like a sports caster, basically for for the Hornets. Um, how many points do you think Curry scores on Saturday night? Over under thirty. Over. Over. Yeah, I'm thinking he's going like thirty seven plus. I like that. Yep. Big potential prop bet for sure. Yeah, that was that was one I wanted to put a lock on. Say they they also lost tonight to the Magic, so you know they're they're pretty pissed about that. They're going to, they're going to go take care of business against, against Charlotte. Um, I'm definitely pumped to watch that game. Is this Curry's best season? Is, is, is this Pete Curry? Have we, have we seen like the best Steph Curry can be, or do you think there's another level of, of being him or you think he's going to keep it up for a long time, at least at this level? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'm going to say, no, I don't think it's, I don't think it's peak Steph Curry in the sense. I don't, I don't think it's his best season. It's tough to um, – that year he was unanimous league MVP. It's tough to top yeah. that, but he is playing He is playing great, and you're seeing a little bit different. Uh, it's a little bit different, I guess, in the sense people kind of forgot just how lethal he could be and the type of stuff that he can he can do with the team. I mean, when he's on the court, his shooting range, it's five guys have to be paying attention to him at all times, and especially now that – no clay, no KD. Uh, he's kind of reminding us all of why why he was a you know back to back MVP. Yeah, for sure. I, I've I think Curry's like career stats are going to be up there with some of the greats, just because that shooting ability. I mean, he doesn't need a whole ton of space to get open in the first place. But even if he loses a little, like a step, it's not like he's ever been a guy that's scoring based off of his athleticism. So I think his skills are going to translate to later in his career to still be a really good player. Maybe be more like get more spot shots every night instead of running around and he'll obviously be coming off picks forever and stuff, but he won't be able to create as many of his own shots. But as far as him just being able to shoot in general, I feel like he's only going to keep getting better. That's something that you never really lose, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. That, that skill ages well, definitely. Yeah. So I'm, I'm uh, I know LeBron just passed not to steal LeBron's thunder, but I know LeBron just went to third all time scores list, which is it's crazy to think of. I think just because also we've 
we've been like sports fans long enough that we've witnessed like LeBron coming up in high school and the entire career of him. And then you, you don't really appreciate how good he actually is, but he is currently third all time in scoring and he's got at least four or five more years to play. Right. Hello. You cut out. You said uh, he's got at least four or five. And then that was the last thing I heard. Oh, he's got at least four or five more years to play. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, for sure. I think so. Absolutely. Yeah. He's going to be in the league like with his son eventually, which is insane to think of. He'll be the league's leading scorer and his son will be just coming into the league, which I, I mean, if, if I know LeBron, like I think I know LeBron, he's definitely going to figure out a way for them to be able to draft or trade for his, him and his son. So he can play on the same team with him. Right. Well, he's, his contract's set up. So he's a, he's a free agent the year his son would be eligible for the uh, NBA draft if they make and I think it's coming back actually I think they already passed this where high school they made it so high school kids are going to be eligible for the draft again right starting like next year or I think it starts the year LeBron's son is going to be a senior and he's a free agent because I know he's, he's talked about that before so yeah how convenient how convenient that they scheduled all this in perfect accordance with all of it right right LeBron uh he, he runs he this league he knows the plan and speaking of someone that uh is going to age well. I really think, I mean, if LeBron wants to, he's so big that he'll always be able to, I think he'll always be able to get points in the post if he wants. He can just go bang down there. And I also think he could be like a, a late career, um, I don't know who a good comp would be, but like Big Shot just, Bob. Yeah, there, there you go. He's got good size. Um, he's going to be able to kind of, He'll, he'll be decent defensively, even when he loses his speed, just because of that you could stick him on like a four or three. Who's not that. Uh, exactly. And he's going to be able to go sit in the corner. And I'm sure when LeBron's only job is to shoot set shots from the corner three, I wouldn't be surprised if he becomes a, like just a crazy good three point shooter. I mean, his, his three point shooting this year is alone is incredible how he's progressed in his like, 18th year in the NBA is one of his best shooting years that he's ever had. So I wouldn't put anything past LeBron to, to become whatever his team needs to be to continue to make championships. So I, I definitely like that. So speaking of LeBron, the heat and the Lakers are also playing on Saturday. The heat are coming down a stretch of some long of, sorry, not some long, a long road trip. Uh, they've got six West Coast games in the past nine days, uh, which that's that's a lot. If if you guys don't don't know the NBA schedules, they usually play one game every. I mean, yeah. it's it's an extra game or two within within a nine day stretch than what they're used to, and it's all traveling, going from LA to Portland to Houston to all kinds of places, and they. Well, I'm looking at their schedule, and they're a very very streaky team. They've had five losses, four wins, and three losses, all within like 15 games. So it was just like a seesaw of of actual events that they were happening. Whether it's wins or losses, they come in bunches. So the Heat are coming off a win in this in this previous game. So I'm gonna ride with the Heat in this next game. And the Lakers are kind of staggering just a little bit. But who who you got in this game? Heat or Lakers? Man, uh, let's let's go Heat. Yeah, I, I I like the Heat here. I think uh, 
Lakers maybe without a little bit. Uh, the Heat are filling. The Heat need to be making a move, and I think Bam and and Jimmy are starting to come together. I think they're I think they're gonna get hot here. I'll I'll take the Heat. Yeah, the Heat were kind of in the same position as they were as last year, so look for them to start gelling when it really comes down to it. Now I think Jimmy Butler's. He, I think last year he figured out the formula. You don't have to play your best basketball right now. You just have to play it in the last month of the season or the last two months of the season, you know? And so it's it's getting to that point where they at least need to start yeah. being able to show that they have that switch to turn on, and the Lakers is a perfect opportunity for them to do that. For sure. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. All right, so yeah, have have fun. Get yourself some popcorn that game. There's going to be some good basketball going on. Warriors, Hornets, the the Steph Curry show versus Lonzo. And then, or not Lonzo, uh, LaMelo. And then you've got Heat Lakers that night as well. Jimmy versus LeBron, finals rematch on ABC. That'll be a good game. Make sure you catch, catch parts of that too. Sunday night. Uh, we're going Sixers, Raptors. We've got, like we talked about earlier, the Raptors are streaking. They're playing very good ball. They beat down the Bucks on Thursday night, and the Sixers just continue to keep going out and proving it every night. Joel Embiid dropped a 50-burger with, I want to say, 18 rebounds tonight. So that, that's not a bad game, right? That ain't bad. Yeah, <laughs> 50 and 18. Jeez. <laughs> Wow. So that's going to be a game you don't want to miss. Um, as long as Embiid claims he's healthy, he is obviously one of the best players in the league. Who, who you got winning this game, Heim? Man, uh, you know what? I'm going to go Sixers just because uh, I don't think – I don't know if they've said, but I think Lowry is still going to be out for that game. Um and you know he's just a huge part of uh, a huge part of what they do. And like you said, the Sixers, the Sixers are playing well, man. Uh, I think it's you're definitely seeing too. I think I think give some credit to Doc Rivers, kind of just stabilizing that team. And you, you know it, it helps having a uh, kind of a veteran coach at the helm who can who can really guide them guide them through things. I think so. Yeah, I'll, I'll take Sixers here. How about you? Yeah, I'm going. My initial thought was Raptors, but the I, one thing that I thought of while we were just talking about that is the Sixers and the Suns have both been been proving a lot of teams wrong this year. I'm going to ride with the Sixers as well, and I'll, I'll give the points, too. I think the Sixers, Sixers actually beat them. I know that goes against everything I just said about the Raptors, but I'm taking the Sixers that night as well. And finally, we've got Sunday night game, Nets, Clippers, two of the best scoring teams in the league. So, uh, I mean, it's just – it's just like the sports betters like go to, you got to hammer the over when you get two high scoring teams, no matter what it is. Right. That you would think you would think uh, it'll probably end up being like 85, 80 now that we said this, but Uh you know, that's just how it works. Exactly. So yeah, if you're smart, you bet, you bet opposite of what we tell you to. So uh let's go the nets here they, they're looking pretty good they're on a revenge tour right now they had a really good comeback win against the suns they beat the lakers uh, shorthanded lakers obviously and now they're going down to la to try to finish this road streak and harden and Kyrie looked really good ah man the more they play together they're, they're gelling pretty well do you 
do you still are you still all out on the nets i'm still out on the nets i've uh i've made my decision i've gotta i gotta stick with it i do think you you saw uh especially uh two games ago i think like when you get harden and um kd together i think that it's like an That's ideal a better combo for sure for sure. It's just, it's just going to, I really think it's going to be tough for them in a seven game playoff series to get by with Harden and Kyrie playing defense, just because they're both so bad defensively. That's you. It's hard. It's easier to hide one of trying to hide the two of them is going to be tough. The, here's it. We talked about it before. The nets are tough. Cause they're, I mean, they're arguably the best offense we've, we've seen, or maybe right up there with, uh, with some of those uh, Steph, Clay, Katie, Warrior teams, um, but they're so bad defensively, and I just think in the regular season you can you can just out outpace people and outrun people. But we've seen it time and time again with Harden too, where in the playoffs he kind of falters and maybe the shots aren't falling and the offense doesn't come as easily. So I feel like you need to be able to win games defensively, and that, even like last year was a great example with the Lakers. The Lakers were the best defensive team in the NBA. That's that's why they won last year. Yes. I mean, all, all things aside. So, well, let's, let's just look at history. Uh, this is base. This team is basically a carbon copy of the Phoenix suns, just with better weapons. And like, like the, the early thousands Phoenix suns, when they had D'Antoni, Steve Nash, Amari Stoudemire, who are yep. all on this Brooklyn team. And they, they like the same style of ball. They just try to outscore teams and that doesn't necessarily work. I know they've got a lot of familiar pieces that are together and they've been doing this a long time, but I think history has proven to us that this doesn't work in a playoff series. So I, I like what you're saying there and that future is looking less and less appetizing every day, but I, I, I cannot deny what, what you're saying. You know, I, I'm feeling the exact same thing. Yeah. It, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, the, the nets are obviously incredibly talented. It's going to be, I'm looking forward to see, like, for D'Antoni and Nash, that's a good point. I mean, neither of those guys have ever been to the NBA Finals, and they've they've kind of uh, – this is the ultimate D'Antoni test, right? Because this is the greatest collection assembly of offensive firepower that we've ever seen probably in NBA yes. history. You, so No excuses this time. So if they can't get it done this year, we can finally put to bed the, this idea that you can just out – if they do get it done, then, then we'll see. I mean, kudos – you know, kudos to those guys for, for, uh, putting for proven. Yeah. For proven rally caps on the team together and, and playing with that philosophy. So yeah, I'm, I'm sticking. No, exactly. I'm, I'm sticking with my original thing that I, I don't think that they can win the East, uh, but we'll see. I like it. Yeah. So there are some good games this weekend, so make sure you catch those. We will see you back on most likely Tuesday. We're going to record Monday night and post it up on, uh, late Monday or early Tuesday. And we hope you guys have a great weekend. I know football, it's tough, but we will make it through together. All right. Hashtag RCO rally caps on. Thanks again. Tell a friend if you like today's episode and hope you have a great weekend.